The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world? Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Here's Sunjo Gall. Uh, good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Um, today's topic is how to be a self-motivated leader. And our guests for today's show are William Patterson, who is a business motivational speaker. Good morning, William. How are you? I'm terrific, Sanjo. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate the opportunity. Definitely. The honor is all ours. And how's life treating you? Terrific. Can't complain. Getting better every day. Now, is that the response you give because you're a motivational speaker? It's a response I give because I love life, and every day that I'm living, I can get better, I can do better, and I can create more value for people. So that's just how I live my life personally. Very nice. Uh, we also have Susan Cram, who is the former CIO for Taco Bell, and she's a leadership coach and author. Good morning, Susan. How are you? Good morning, Sanjay. Very well. Thank you. So uh, what, what do you have to say to the world uh, in terms of this being a very good morning or a very, very, very good morning? Well, it's always a good morning to talk with you. You know that. And now, William, I'm inspired just listening to William because of the energy in his voice. And I think that's probably one of the keys that uh, I found over time is that if I'm feeling a little uh, uh, less energetic just to tap into, um, you know, the right kind of people. And uh, it really helps, I think, um, get perspective so now with with respect to this topic i just wanted to uh set the stage because we always have spoken about leaders as people who are at the top and 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 they really are responsible for making sure that the whole the whole the the team and the troops are essentially in the best of their spirit and that's why they will get the job done and they will follow the leader but then looking at the mindset of a leader Yes, they have to show energy like both of you show on this show today. But then something inside could be changing on a day-to-day basis, and it could even dip. So, William, starting with you, what could be potential reasons why leader, uh, the, the motivation of a very otherwise successful leader and someone who's always charged up could also go down? Well, I think one of the reasons happens to be low emotional intelligence. So I think it's really important that we understand ourselves first and our environment as well as some of the performance drivers that affect leaders. And then you also want to look at some of these, what we call either actual or perceived, the actual or perceived lack of empowerment, which may also affect leaders and support and their ability to affect change or influence change in an organization. So one of the things that I always like to do is to 
help a leader understand what the emotional triggers are, whether these are failed or stalled projects and programs, as well as that lack of support and recognition, which may become those emotional triggers, which can lead to this downward spiral in motivation. Now, what, if you were to inventory, which would be the top two or three things which would bring a depth? I think a lot of it has to do with the culture and whether that leader feels empowered to affect change. And if they're not empowered to affect change, can they influence change? So there's this impotence in leadership sometimes depending on the culture and depending on who that leader is accountable to, whether it's the board or shareholders. And then I also think it's those uh, external factors, which may be uh, the stock is down, which may be things like, uh, again, a project failed or a program failed. Those tend to affect leaders uh, greatly. So, Susan, how can we uh, say a, a leader as a good leader if that leader is basically succumbing to the external factors and that's causing a dip? It's called, it's called being human. For sure. Uh, and part okay. of what, uh, you know, William said, which I could not agree with more, is this idea of, of self-awareness, the component of emotional intelligence, to know where you're at and know what you need, right? So it's the, you know, I, 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 I know exactly kind of the situation. I've recognized this before, and I know uh, it, enough about myself and my emotional triggers, both from uh, what sets me off as well as what fills me up, in order to repair myself. Now, there is one human being, as you mentioned, Susan. One is a human who is a follower and or someone who always says that external factor is causing me harm and or not being able to, not, it's not allowing me to get to my true potential. And then there is another human who we call as a leader who fights upstream and or ignores or for that matter goes beyond what those regular external factors are, are there because they will remain there and still goes and succeeds and insulates them, himself or herself from those those um, uh, parameters. So do you think that both humans with different traits or different DNA is what makes a leader versus a follower? You know, it's interesting because I agree with um, a statement uh, that you made um, before the call started that uh, the potential is for leaders to be leaders at all levels. But, you know, you have to understand the, the uh, context in which people want to lead. You've got to know where you want to lead. And so a process I work through um, with my clients, and I'd be interested in William's approach, is really helping them you know, explicitly identify, identify their goals, values, and their motivators, uh, what gives them energy and what takes energy from them, because everybody has uh, a, a, a dream. Everybody has something that uh, they hold dear, and it may not fit within our classical definition of leadership or within corporate America, but I think what's important is that we honor uh, and we help people understand that and then tie the activities of their life, right, in and out of work, right, because work is life and life is work, um, to that. So, William, when you look at uh, the folks who otherwise have demonstrated uh, a good uh, strength and inner confidence that no matter what the parameters are, I'm going to still win, what have they done to make sure they maintain that level? And if at all there's a dip, they try to come back from that dip? Or is it just a temporary, that factor goes away, which caused the dip, and, and they focus on removing that factor, and that's how they bring themselves back up? Well, Susan made a great point earlier that I think a lot of focus should be put on, and that is what are the factors 
just as you have negative emotional triggers, which can trigger this lack of motivation, sometimes even extremes of that, which may be a depression, there also are some positive triggers that you can use to raise your level of motivation. So I think that's one of the pieces is understanding what are your positive triggers and really focusing on those. But one of the traits that I've also seen with leaders who are very successful is they understand that what they're doing is bigger than them. And this is a great example. We were working with a client in a health uh, field. She was running a nonprofit organization. And I asked her, she also had this health condition, which was called polycystic ovarian syndrome, which affects about 7 million women. And uh, it comes with all kinds of symptoms. And I said, how do you get up and do what you do every day to try to help so many women when you're also struggling with this condition? And this, her name was Sasha Adi. And she says, I do it because I understand that what I'm doing is bigger than me. And when you understand you have that kind of vision and that kind of understanding, it's a lot easier to get up because you understand the, the depth and breadth of that vision. No, the there are companies do. with larger visions, right? And then they have people working with them. There are some people, in fact, most people understand that what they're working towards is much larger than them, but some people see it as a problem and or uh, it instills fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and the others who look at that and become inspired and even go to the next level themselves. So the right. same two in, same environment, two different human beings perceive that thing being bigger than them differently. Well, what do you, what, how do you explain that? Well, one of the things that we always want people to understand is that they're not laying bricks, but they're building a cathedral. And a lot of people may seem to understand the larger vision, but they really don't, or they really haven't bought into it. And I think a lot of this also goes along with how do you build the corporate culture in a way that is supportive, and it's this team approach where everyone supports the team as a po- and wins as a team as opposed to an every-man-for-himself type of culture. So, Susan, when you look at these triggers which motivate and or demotivate people, and since every individual as human being has different DNA and they are wired differently, they have different triggers, how do they identify what's my, like suppose I, I, if I were to uh, you know, define that, okay, say I'm a leader, just as an example, how do I define it for my ecosystem what are these triggers? Is this supposed to be an internal discovery process, or I got to go and take a poll? Well, as a as a leadership coach, I would highly recommend taking um, hiring a coach, um, but that would be extremely self serving on my part. Um, you know, I think that it does require um, a, a, a I I believe that you know we can only see ourselves to uh, even the most self aware, I and mean, we still have blind spots in um, who we are and how that's reflected and the connection between who we are and how that's reflected in the work that we're doing and the, the possibilities that are in front of us. I was talking with a client the other day, extremely talented, high potential in every category, and it, we ended up having a discussion in this thing that I call career fitness, this process I, I take people through, and she, she wasn't giving herself a chance to dream big enough. So she wasn't demotivated, but the point is she hadn't given herself permission to to aspire and tap into a larger dream. So, you know, that's a very positive instance where we didn't have somebody who um, needed to be fixed, 
right, or needed to cheer up or whatever. We had somebody who, who, who uh, could contribute more to the organization and could achieve more of her own personal goals. And just a conversation that's an hour long, right, with an external party, and again, it doesn't have to be a professional coach or a pay coach or whatever, can really um, help people see themselves, change their perspective and their point of view. Now, with with that said, so William, we are looking at a regular uh, individual who just wants to go about living their life, paying their bills and have a cozy, happy life. And others are who are trying to be at the self-actualization level. What is it that a person who is at the top of their game, or at least they think that they're at the top of their game and they're always trying to stretch themselves to do proactively so that the dips come less often? Well, I think you also do, when you have those two extremes, I think you also have to look at hiring. So are you really hiring people that just want to exist in the organization, or are you hiring people who really want to uh, take the, the vision and the company to another level? I also just want to make a distinction that just because you don't want to lead doesn't mean that you can't create significant value in a supporting role. And I think there are some people who recognize the, the benefit and the value that they can create in supporting role, uh, even if that is an apprentice role where at some point they will become a leader. So I, I do think there is some value in other roles, and I do think there is importance to place on hiring correctly so that you are hiring people who have certain uh, characteristics that are going to be more supportive of the organization. But uh, coming back to the original question, I think if you do look at uh, the, emotion, the emotional intelligence, and I think if you also do build in motivational components to the culture where you do have time to rest, recuperate, think of new ideas, uh, to inventory your own skills, to inventory your own emotional triggers, uh, both positive and negative, I think when you build in those kinds of components, it makes it a lot easier to recognize great opportunities and to stay motivated around those opportunities. Yeah, you know, Sanjay, if I can uh, weigh in, I I absolutely agree with uh, what William is sharing. This concept of of giving yourself uh, space within your day and your calendar, um, where you are um, quotes doing nothing, right? you're learning, you're exercising, uh, you're connecting with people who um, you don't normally connect with. Uh, you connect with people who are you know real comfortable and you've got a deep, easy connection. Um, those are not distractions from your job. Those are the things that uh, continue to keep you great in your job. Now, when you say that somebody should take a break and do nothing, if that person starts feeling that when I'm doing nothing, actually I am not delivering and are not creating value, is that guilt uh, basically telling that that person is not a leader or is the fact that the leader has never taken a break and that's what they feel yeah, well, that's why I put it in quotes, do nothing, because this is a very active state of um, reaching out and um, reading and uh, going to, you know, a, a conference that you've always wanted to go and, and reaching to meet the people within the conference and going out to the front lines of your organization and really getting a sense for uh, what's happening within the marketplace. These are very uh, uh, not directly tied to a to-do list. And so I think if uh, people recognize uh, and put this as, as uh, recognize that this is part of their job description, then whatever guilt they might feel um, uh, about not ticking something off the list, uh, they, can, they can manage that. 
Now, William, I'm not sure how much are you aware about the way the IT leaders uh, environment is. If you were to actually, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, would like to have this question posed uh, where the IT leaders themselves are either asked to do more with less or more with nothing and or they might deal with politics and or they will deal with spilling over workload. And at the same time, they have a team to manage as well as keep themselves motivated. So think about that during the break. And when we come back, love to get some ideas and an outside in-person on how such people can maintain their motivation levels. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, William, CIO's position, a lot of work, fewer resources, a lot of influence management, um, politics and changing uh, career paths basically since their typical stint is three or four years minus in a company and going to a new environment every three to four years essentially. What do you do if you are in those shoes to keep yourself motivated? Well, CAOs are facing some new uh, role expectations as well as performance drivers and CIOs are increasingly expected to be business enablers, and I think some of the, the recent recession and economic downturn has resulted in some new business drivers, uh, things such as outsourcing, mobile workforce, social media, cloud computing, and these have all resulted in higher expectations from customers, shareholders, and stakeholders. So I think it is important to build in those training components I think it's important to build in those motivation components, and I think it's also important to build in the networking components with your peers. And when you look at having uh, someone like a coach, like, like let's say a Susan, that can help you to understand where your strengths and opportunities lie both within the company and beyond, I think it opens up a whole new world. And I think there is a difference between when you do use a coach versus when you have a person who may be a mentor or an advisor or even a sounding board, and I do differentiate between all of those. When you have 
a mentor. A mentor may be a person who has achieved what you want to achieve, but their process for getting there may not be duplicable or repeatable. Mm-hmm. When you look at, let's say, an advisor, an advisor may have a very specific set of knowledge within an area, but they don't have always the broader picture. When you look at a coach, a coach can typically bring you a, a roadmap for getting from where you are as an individual, factoring in your network, your uh, let's say your relationships, your skills, your background to where you want to be versus a sounding board who may be a very intelligent person but, again, doesn't necessarily have that industry knowledge. So I think it is important to engage a coach so that you do have that specific set of tools that can help you transform uh, an organization and thrive in this type of environment, a changing environment. So we are again talking about, say, someone who is outside of us to be available so that we can get to the next level or maintain our motivation levels and basically get to where we want to be. So coming back to you, Susan, based on your experience, how many IT leaders who you think are are there, they could get better, actually choose coaches? That's number one. Second is even the folks that you have seen as IT leaders, how many of them are to be coached to essentially have a higher motivation level versus just improving some other skills? Well, you know, the motivation, I'm going to answer the, the second question first. Um, and I actually don't have statistics on the number of um, uh, IT leaders that have had coaches. I can tell you because my, my, my sample is biased, right? The people who call me uh, either are working within companies that have uh, a strong culture, uh, coaching kind of program or culture or else have uh, benefited from a coach before. So it's kind of a tool in their toolkit. Uh, it is interesting. Most of the executives I do talk with have had some kind of 360 feedback. So there's some kind of, of, of process in place to help see yourself more clearly, but that doesn't necessarily uh, do what um, William is doing in terms of giving you that roadmap or that path from where you are to where you want to be. Um, uh, with respect to, um, you know, I, I have to tell a story. CIOs um, are suffer, that your IT leaders suffer from uh, what William talked about earlier is this empowerment, this ability um, to necessarily influence change. It's all lateral influence. And so most of the calls that I'll get from um, leaders that are feeling um, powerless, if you will, uh, have to do with their inability or uh, to be able to influence their culture or, excuse me, influence their company in the decision-making the way that they would like. And so that ends up being a really center uh, core discussion within coaching for IT is this lateral um, or influencer leading without um, formal power. Now, you you mentioned about the how part. I'm talking about the motivation, which could either be the very premise or a basis, which would make them to take leaps beyond what their their current levels are and even embrace what you tell them and make that change at the tactical or the how level. And others are people who are simply not motivated. So a smaller problem, which they could have otherwise solved without a coach. And because they do not have a higher, higher enough motivation level, it seems like a big problem, and that's why they're looking for someone to help and bail them out. Well, see, I, I uh, believe that everybody uh, comes to work to do the very best job they can. They may not understand, given their gifts, 
and you know skills, knowledge, abilities, um, their motivators, their goals, and you know looking at the company fabric about how to influence change within that environment. Um, but I agree with William that everybody can have a positive contribution, and I do believe fundamentally that uh, you know I mean there are people who would rather you know stay on the couch and watch TV. Um, but my experience is, is that um, by the time they get to me, I don't, I don't deal with those people. Now, William, if you were to compare CIO with a small kid, how do we motivate a kid? Is, can, that, we, can we draw a parallel to how to motivate a bigger kid? I mean, yes, they might be mature and maybe uh, 30 or 50 years of uh, age, but the fundamental triggers for motivation remains the same for a human being, that there is something that they will get at the end of it. And we reassure them throughout the process that this is something that is achievable. And that's what brings the motivation back. Isn't that the same all, all throughout our lives? So what's so complicated? Why people have a dip then? Well, I, I have a slightly different uh, perspective, and that is that uh, for a child – I think you can do more along the lines of incentives to motivate, but I think in terms of really breaking through that financial and business glass ceiling for a lot of CIOs, it's that self-actualization. It's understanding that you're doing something great and you have an ability to uh, contribute something on a higher level and to really transform the organization and, again, use IT and use your role to be more of a business enabler. And, again, with a child, it's just uh, typically motivation. They, they typically have not developed the, the faculties with regard to self-actualization yet uh, to really be able to appreciate that. There are some exceptions, but I, I think uh, for a child, you can do more along the lines of incentives. Whereas with, uh, let's say, adults, I think incentives are a useful tool and I think they are a useful driver as part of a broader toolkit. But I think self-actualization really does bring the broader transformation and the disruptive type transformation that a lot of companies and executives are looking for. So, Susan, don't we say that at all times we are the ones who are in charge of our career? We are the ones who takes us through the Maslow's uh, hierarchy from meeting just our basic needs to get to the self-actualization level. Mm-hmm. So if, if that is true, then what is it that the people who are at self-actualization level and maintain themselves at the self-actualization level do differently in terms of keeping their motivation level high compared to people who are just struggling among the other four, like basic security, esteem, and social Needs and they keep kind of bouncing back and forth between those and never get to the socialization, uh, self-actualization level. And even if they do, they're basically getting lucky versus being able to sustain it. Yeah, I think it's I, I think what we it's what we've chatted about in terms of um, they've got a big dream and a dream that that is exciting and that they can literally almost visualize the future state. And it becomes it's it's so attractive and so. Um, uh, exciting to them that they'll do what they need to do to work hard to you know get the resources to um, you know sell sell the dream they'll do what they need to do in order to move forward uh, and when even I've got a client right now who uh, CIO 12 years uh, big all company 
suffering from what you would in this context of this call call you know really keeping himself motivated for the next um, iteration of his leadership there, and um, he's he's building his dream. Right? So he, he's he's building his new dream, and that's a challenge for leaders because we uh, you know have a tendency to create the world around us sort of in our image, and so we start uh, we stop seeing necessarily some of the opportunities that exist. And so what he has done, which is extremely healthy, and I think a prescription for anybody, is he's just, he's just networked, right? He is networking to learn, to see things from, you know, to be able to see his company and the opportunities from an outside perspective. So, William, if you were to uh, essentially uh, be a person in that position who is not feeling the level of motivation that you should be because you have your own benchmark, what are you supposed to do? Not go to work, take a two-week vacation, or or what else? William, you there? Yes, I, I think it is important to develop the skills to influence others if you cannot uh, affect change on your own. And if you can't affect change and you also can't influence others, then it may be time to consider uh, a transition into another mm-hmm. uh, company. But uh, just kind of coming back to this idea of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and being able to motivate people around the things that they value, whether that is social belonging and it's the respect of their peers or esteem and uh, being able to transform an organization or self-actualization, being able to realize some greater meaning and purpose, I think when you do understand what the motivating factors are for that particular individual, it is easier to design a plan to keep them motivated, the same at different levels of the organization and understanding what people are concerned about. And there are some people who are concerned about basic life needs at the bottom of the the, the pyramid or or the hierarchy of needs, and they're less likely to be thinking about self-actualization when they're just worried about how to pay the bills. So I, I I do think you have to figure out exactly where people are and what their motivations are, but then also tying that back to things that they value and showing them how uh, doing certain things can get them the things that they value and so much more and how they're uh, really able to contribute in a more meaningful way if they do, uh, do things that are aligned with the, the mission and the vision of the company and, or, and, or you as a leader. Now, with that said, William, the answer that you gave is in the context of this person belonging to an organization and thinking that organization, or, or maybe we are, we, the, your answer is more that organization can do X, Y, Z for this individual and or a team of people to be able to get them to the best level they can be. Let's take it to an individual level. I am a leader. I am not feeling motivated. I need to do something about it. Is it always that I got to look for a support system or a prop to go and and sob in front of them and then let them give a solution, or is there something I can fight this myself? Well, I think it's always helpful to have a support system. Uh, I mean, as they say, no man is an island, so it is helpful to have a support system. And usually, people who do things in isolation tend not to make very uh, good decisions, and sometimes are, are uh, at the extremes of that and end up making very poor decisions. So I do think it's important to have that kind of support system. I just think you need to qualify the type of people that you're around and the type of advice that you are given. The other thing that uh, people should understand is that a lot of these decisions are emotional. 
and they're not rational decisions that we're making in business. So one of the things that a support system can do is to keep you from making irrational decisions and decisions that are based on emotion. So it is having that emotional intelligence, and it's also having a support system so that you can recognize when you're making poor decisions. But, yes, absolutely, I think you need people around you who can keep you motivated and inspired, but also understand that the people around you can depress you and bring you down, so you need to have the right support system and people around you. Uh, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Susan, let me pose this question. Suppose you are the motivation doctor, and somebody just reaches out to you, or, or you learn about someone uh, that someone is having this motivation issue, and they don't have a support system, and they don't even have you as a person who they can go and bounce ideas with. That's where we are talking about self-motivating. What would that individual do? They cannot start first waiting for the network to grow and get a support system and then come out of that uh, you know, motivation dip issue. There has to be something that a person can do and or develop or ha- take some, some basically tactical steps to get out of it. So what would that be? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. We live in an instant on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Susan, when we are looking at an individual and the person may not have the support system that William mentioned... What does that person do to get out of that depth so that they can start doing things for the future and, of course, to solve their problem for today? Well, they may not have uh, a paid support system or a really well-developed one, but we all have people who know us and who we respect. And a key part of um, who we are as, as as, as individuals, as people, or as we're relational beings, we're built to be in relationship with each other. And so I would really encourage the person to put down on the list, and it might be only, you know, five people that um, they admire, um, that they're connected with, and uh, reach out and just ask them um, what's going on, if it's within a company setting, 
um, you know, the future of the company, what the key barriers and challenges are, um, you know, what they're working on to make it happen, you know, just to be able to see the company from that other person's perspective. For those people who know you more personally, get them to reflect on, on what they've seen and how you've grown over the years. Uh, and uh, what they think your strengths are and when you were the most happiest and when you were the, you know, the most drained, just to try to, um, to develop a sense of, of um, where you're at now, what you're gifted in doing, and then what the possibilities are from a, a, uh, a, a business standpoint. Uh, you know, I have a client right now who is extremely talented um, but very much um, a victim and one of the things that I think that we have to all accept is that, you know, change starts from us. You know, if we don't change, nothing's going to change. And that we have to assume accountability that there is something that we aren't doing or aren't doing correctly or a series of things that are standing in our way. And so in, you know, talking with the people who you respect and, and who you have a relationship with and being vulnerable and being willing to ask the questions of what am I not seeing? What am I? What do you think that I'm not doing? Where do you think that I am uh, approaching things that are uh, where it's not the most productive? Being willing to ask the same questions of a handful of people will um, start giving glimmers of, of opportunity. Then I would take those glimmers of opportunity and I would become a student because there is a wealth of free resources um, from very, very smart people about how to, um, you know, reframe and think about things differently. And I think between kind of the combination of those two things, I think people can actually um, start having that spark uh, of uh, a vision of something exciting that, that they could build upon. So, William... Uh, if if you were to look at an individual who say has a motivation dip, and then since there's a lack of motivation and not at at least motivation to that level, their work is suffering, which in turn could instill fear that if the work is not going at the, the appropriate level, the results will not come out and I might lose my position or it might reflect badly on my overall performance, which in turn could compound the situation and motivation further dips, and it is a vicious cycle and a trap. What are the couple of things, first couple of things that individual can do, in, besides, of course, talking to the support system to get out of that trap or break that trap? Well, I think part of it depends on your leadership style and how you compensate for your personal strengths and weaknesses and the strengths and weaknesses of your team. Everyone has these strengths and weaknesses, so you really do want to build a team that can complement you. And, again, you're solving problems from a team perspective as opposed to an individual uh, perspective because, yes, at any given point in time, you may be feeling up or down. But if you are approaching problems, particularly business problems, from a team perspective, it is uh, a lot easier to manage those particular uh, problems and challenges that are happening in the business. And one other uh, point, just to go back to uh, the question, the previous question that you asked about what can leaders do, I, I think it's very simple to begin to build that support system. It's just as simple as forming some mentoring relationships. No matter where you are in the organization, you should have a mentor, or where you are in your career path, you should have a mentor. 
Uh, also, as simple as attending networking events where you can begin to build these relationships, forming a mastermind group. These are simple things that a person in a leadership role can and should be able to do to help build that support system. So you don't have to do it alone. Yeah, I really want to echo that. Um, I, one of the things that was so helpful for me earlier on in uh, um, my coaching when I uh, started working for myself was the recognition that even though uh, you know I was my business consisted just of me, that there were a whole bunch of people out there that if you said you know I. Could we spend a little bit of time together? I'd love to get your perspectives, your advice. And then, you know, could you introduce them to that person? Could you share more information about that? Uh, people want to help. You just have to ask. Now, with, with, with that said, now we are looking at, um, you know, some situations and some advice has been given. When, like, you know, you look on the Internet or you talk to people that you have to always think that the rest of the team is looking up to you. So in a way, we are saying that you do not have a choice but to remain motivated and show the best picture and almost to a point that you have to wear a mask. Is that is that truly a realistic expectation from a leader? William? Well, again, I think it depends on how you hire. Uh, you know, I, I believe in the advice of Henry Ford, which is I hire people who are smarter than me and who know the answers. So if you're kind of hiring down or you're hiring people who don't know the answers and you're putting all of that weight, you're creating that culture uh, where they're, it's, it's setting you up to be the isolated leader. But you don't have to build the organization that way, and that's what we do with a lot of our executive coaching clients is we encourage them to build the, the support system to hire people in a way that all of the pressure is not on them. And if something goes wrong, it becomes that emotional trigger. But you also understand what are the things that can uh, motivate them personally as well as motivate the team and build in those components to day-to-day -day activities, quarterly activities, as well as those rewards and, and incentives so that people are encouraged to do great things and hopefully also bring in people that can inspire them to do great things. So the, the overall point that I'd like to make is that you choose the environment that can uh, help you. Well, you choose many parts of the environment that can help you uh, become more vote motivated or can demotivate you. And if you can't influence or, or do that kind of change, then you probably don't need to be in that organization. So every opportunity is not an opportunity. So be willing to walk away if it's not the right fit for you and it's not an environment that's productive. So, Susan, if you took an example where, say, a, a, a good leader or and, and the person who's highly motivated in the process of building a team hires all the A players who are very smart and they're even smarter perceivably smarter than the leader, then can this leader live like a normal human being who can have dips, can have highs, and it will not affect the business and the person will eventually be successful? So can we hinge our existence on the initial effort that we put into just hire a top team and we're done? Yeah, you know, it, 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 I think there's a very fine balance there. Um, I have seen leaders who get in the trough and they start whining to their team. And that is um, a sign of uh, uh, an emotional intelligence issue. 
self-management, self-awareness, self-management of those behaviors. Um, So I think that what we have, what leaders have to do is they have to recognize the areas in which their people can provide productive input on. Um, myself, I, I have a very very challenging project that's going on. I've got somebody who's working with me on this. Yesterday, I was talking with her. I said, this may be a little bit too difficult, what we're asking uh, the clients to do. And this is the things that I feel really good about. This is the stuff that I'm concerned about. She was able to provide very good counsel within that context. But to just kind of go to her and just sort of, you know, and, and, and just go, you know, the end is near. <laughs> I don't want to get up tomorrow. You know, there's nowhere to go from that. So, so essentially there is some strength, inherent strength is required. And you're in a way answering a question where, which I would have posed is that is it okay to show your vulnerability or your weakness in front of your team? Maybe not every day, but once in a while. No, well, I would just uh, say you just have to show your vulnerability in areas that um, where the overall optimism for the future isn't, isn't in question, right? So that they can can um, tap in and contribute in a in in, uh, in a productive way versus just sort of um, you know empathize. So, William, do you think a, a good leader is the one without the mask? that a mask of Hercules, if you will, that they can solve every problem, they're very never vulnerable, they're always very highly charged up, or someone who's authentic? Well, I think, again, comes back to your leadership style, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself as a leader to lead that way. It's a lot easier if you do build teams. Now, when I talk about building teams and hiring people that are smarter than you, it's not an autopilot thing. What you would do as a leader is enable those people to get results. So you're clearing the path for them as a leader to get the results. And you're using your influence and you're using your skills and your knowledge to empower them to get the results that the organization or the business unit is tasked with. So, uh, But it, it does come back to this, are you building a culture that is a team-based culture or is it every man for himself where everyone has uh, to either watch their back or have each other's back? So I think if you look at it and you analyze the strengths and weaknesses of the team and you build in support to compensate for the weaknesses of the team, it's a much lighter load for a leader. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and talk about the loneliness. A lot of people say this, that it is very lonely up there at the top. How much of uh, this is a reality? And if at all you truly have friends who should they be or who are they that you can look up to? And is there a, a fine line there? Because if you do not choose or identify your friends right, it could cause you a lot of trouble. But what, what do you do? So please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. live in an instant on world mobile and connected to compete you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe introducing enterprise cloud compute services hp solution for managing secure servers storage and networks delivered as a service pay only for what you need create order out of chaos the instant on enterprise is here 
Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Susan, what's... Well, how much truth is it to the fact or, or people, what people say that it is very lonely at the top? And if it is truly as lonely, then where do we go and find friends, people who would truly understand what we are going through because they may not understand the, the complexities and nuances of the, the environment we are living in? And if at all it is not as lonely, then who should be our friends at the top? You know, it is lonely at the top, and particularly for CIOs or senior IT leaders who there's not a lot of people across the organization that can really empathize um, with uh, the challenges in their job. And I think that there's a limit to what kind of the casual friends can provide in terms of, uh, if you will, filling your bucket or, or, or really, um, you know, you know a, sort of a deep relationship of sort of, you know, where you're exchanging mutual value, you know, and you're really helping each other out. So I think what we have to do is we have to recognize it's not quantity, it's quality. And we have to, um, and some people are better at this than others, but I, we, real, we have to understand that when we, we catch a relationship that's meaningful within our career, that we have to work very hard to keep that relationship to continue. Many people, when they move into different roles or different companies, will let relationships falter. And they won't take the effort to reach out and stay connected. And those people who reach out and stay connected, I find, um, feel, um, you know, feel like they have more resources and that they've got more support. So, William, if you were to suggest top two to three things that an IT leader or overall a business leader and an IT leader do on a regular basis so proactively to proactively prepare themselves from uh, such motivation dip issues, what would those be? It would be to build that support team, again, of mentors, coaches, advisors, and sounding boards. And uh, I do encourage people to understand the difference and the advice that they're getting uh, from each of those and to factor in the the risk of following the advice from each of those different people. But to also have a networking plan and a relationship-building plan, uh, we teach our clients that having a networking plan is uh, as important, if not more important, than any uh, business and financial plan, at least for them personally. And having a list of whether it's three to ten people that they want to meet and build relationships with that can help them advance their career or help them advance the, the mission and vision of the company. But that's, uh, those are two key components. And then also to understand that you have the power to 
to choose the environment that you work in uh, every day, at least within the business unit as a leader, if you're truly an empowered leader. So use that power to create a support system that will empower and motivate you as opposed to uh, demotivate you. So, Susan, do you think it is uh, okay for someone to, or is it possible, let's not say okay, is it possible for a leader to remain authentic and be their true selves and still maintain the leadership that they have earned and also maintain the motivation levels that they use as the very fuel to drive what, where they're going? Well, I think part of the authenticity is leading from uh, who you are and, uh, um, and knowing what gets you up in the morning uh, and what makes you want to stay in bed and r- what you want to achieve. So one of the things that I work through with my clients that they repeatedly uh, say to me that they've never been through this experience before is one where we explicitly identify how their skills support their goals uh, and uh, their values and their motivators and, uh, and how they can express their gifts and achieve their goals within the context of the company that they're working within. And to be able to tie what you're doing today to your longer-term goals and do it in a way that's motivational is, is extremely powerful. And I do it within coaching because it provides the basis from which uh, behavior change happens. Um, and, you know, when you're eight, and, and it's a process that I do with my clients, and I also teach my clients how to do it for their people so that they can look at a person beyond just the, the job at hand and help them connect to the future and, um, you know, how God made them. So I think the, 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 opportunity of being very disciplined about that self-awareness allows you to feel very comfortable in your leadership shoes. And then if you combine that with um, William's, uh, you know, discussion about building the team and, you know, really ensuring that, you know, I I always love the quote, and I think this is a... um, this is a, I think this is a good to great quote, which is you hire motivated people and you don't demotivate them, right? Yes. Um, is, is key. Putting that network in place um, becomes essential. Um, and all of this starts with an internal recognition that something's not right, right? I'm at a place now where I'm not working at my best. I'm at a place now where work is too hard. And it, so any kind of motivation change has got to start with that kind of that introspective realization that um, work's just not fun anymore or it's getting less fun every day. One last question, William. What do you think you would want to tell people who are above or below or at a lateral position to an IT leader so that this person who is trying to juggle a lot of different things could at least maintain their motivation levels? William? One of the things that we do when we're working with clients is we always want them to understand that IT, the the role of IT is changing and that it is important now to be a business enabler in order to create uh, greater value and to satisfy these higher expectations for customers, shareholders, and stakeholders. So it's understanding how to put the systems in place, the people in place that uh, will be able to become that business enabler. And that means motivating those people, helping them to understand that there is a larger vision and purpose, that they're building the cathedral and they're not laying bricks, 
that that is the the overarching message is to understand the greater uh, purpose to what they're doing and inspire them around that purpose. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Susan and William. It looks like that, of course, IT leader has a tough spot. It's very responsible, a lot of things to be juggled with. And they also have to maintain their family, personal side, and, and, and work-life balance, etc. So motivating themselves is going to be not an easy job, but we don't have a choice either. Perhaps there are ways that you've suggested uh, like building your network, having a support system is going to uh, really do the trick. Um, and uh, so all the thoughts that you've shared today were awesome. Thank you so much again. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Happy to be with you. And uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the conversations. Hope this has motivated you now to go to the next level in your career. If you have any questions or thoughts, send us to views at CIOTalkRadio.com. That is views at CIOTalkRadio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjog All next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world?